are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right. Welcome to the Locked On Bears podcast, where our listeners get the best daily lockdown coverage of their favorite team, the Chicago Bears. I'm your host, Arthur Arkish, senior editor at Pro Football Weekly and NFC North reporter for USA Today Sports Weekly. If you haven't done so already, and I hope you have by now, please subscribe to the Locked On Bears podcast over at iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating, some comments, likes, shares. All of those forms of interaction help this podcast gain traction. So too do our wonderful partners, including FanRag Sports, today's Fast Break, and today's Pigskin.com, and our newest partner, DraftBreakdown.com. After you have checked out all my work at PFW and in USA Today Sports Weekly, and once again, once you've been to both iTunes and Audio Boom to make sure you are downloaded and subscribing to this show, check out the partner sites. I think you'll be pleased with what is over there. All right, welcome to the Locked On Bears podcast, the Thursday edition, October 13th. I hope all is well with you. I am not going to waste a lot of time. We are bringing in former Bears defensive lineman Corey Wooten for his weekly hit on the podcast. Excited to get Corey's thoughts. Uh, we'll, we'll rewind for a minute because we haven't talked to Corey and see what he thought of the Colts game, uh, the Bears loss in Indy, and then, of course, look ahead to the Jaguars. So uh, without further ado, let's welcome in Corey Wooten. There's our guy, Corey Wooten. What's happening, Corey? It's Arthur. Hey, what's going on, Arthur? Uh, not a whole lot. Just uh, ready to talk a little bit of Bears. How's, uh, how's the week treating you? Good. Been doing a lot of painting this week. Uh, something that, uh, yeah, it's a lot tougher than I thought. <laughs> did, did you say painting? Yes. Are you painting? Are you are you painting the house? Are you painting canvases? What are you What are you painting? Uh, I'm painting a house. Oh, Actually, okay. Yeah, one one that I'm that I'm flipping. Yeah. So. Nice. I didn't know that that was uh, another interest for you. You're you're flipping homes now. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's been a cool process. We've uh, we flipped two already, um, sold one, under contract with one now, now we're on to our third one. So it's been a pretty cool process. Nice, good for you. And uh, I can tell you I'm not a, a big painting fan, and you said it's been, uh, uh, what would you say, it's been a little tougher than you expected? This is kind of new to you as well? Yeah, it's really tedious. That's the biggest thing. I mean, yeah, the, the finest detail, you know, the, the prep work, all that. So it's kind of it's kind of like playing football, you know, the tape, all that, you know, beforehand, practice, everything, getting everything prepped for the game. All right. So that, that's my game right now, tape uh, painting. <laughs> very, very cool. Well, uh, I, I liked your segue, uh, bring, bringing it back to football, and uh, I'm going to try a segue that may fail miserably here, but we'll try it anyway. Uh, Corey, I want to get your thoughts, obviously, on the, on the Bears' tough loss to the Colts, and since we're already at Thursday, we'll probably spend a, a lot of time, too, talking about the Jaguars. But before I do that, uh, I'm going to take advantage of having you on this show and uh, ask you about someone else who does some painting that I think you know a little bit. Uh, did you hear any of Martellus Bennett's comments this week, and, and do you have any thoughts on what he had to say? No, I didn't, I didn't hear what he said. What, what did he say? Oy, okay, now I have to be the messenger, so make sure you don't kill the messenger. But uh, he was in a uh, – uh, Martellus and his brother Michael did a, an ESPN, one of those E60 features. I think it aired for the first time last night. 
Um, he had a lot of critical things to say about his former teammates. He didn't single anyone out other than Jay Cutler and his leadership ability, But I, and I'm quoting Martellus. He called a lot of his former teammates that he had in the Hellas Hall locker room little bitches and said that the coaches uh, liked the little bitches. I think we could say that. This is a podcast. So, uh, <laughs> again, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. I, I just I, I kind of assumed you would have heard the comments, but uh, just any general thoughts on your time? I guess you guys only spent one year together, but uh, your experiences with Martellus, and, and I know now it's going to be biased after I just told you what he said, but, again, he said it. Uh, your, your thoughts on that? I guess he's a guy that that was frustrated in his time, you know, with the Bears. He felt like he didn't get the ball enough. You know, I, I think <laughs> yeah. he voiced that. Yeah. But as a teammate, I mean, he came to work every day. He worked hard. Um, I felt like he was a good teammate. Mm-hmm. But towards the end, um, after I left, actually, you know, I could see he started to get frustrated. Right. You know, with how everything was was going down, and you know, not being able to get the ball as much as he liked. And you know, I, I remember hearing something about Cutler in the summer. Uh, had commented on, on something Martellus said, so, something similar to, to the effect that you just said, you know, about that, you know, t- hopefully Tom Brady can get him the ball more than I can or something like that. So, right, right. You, you know how it is when, when people are frustrated with, you know, playing in a certain place and then they then they get out, obviously they're going to voice all the problems that they had, all everything that's on their mind. So yeah. he, he's a guy that doesn't shy away from, you know, speaking his mind. Same thing with his brother. And I think, you know, they, they, they love the camera, they love the media, they like to say what's on their mind and, right. you know, stir, stir the pot a little bit. Yeah, there you go. That's Corey Wooden on the record taking the high road, something Martellus Bennett knows nothing about. So uh, we'll move on. But uh, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't comment on yesterday's podcast. Uh, uh, so I will just say quickly that I had mostly pleasant personal interactions with Martellus Bennett. But I think what he had to say last night was absolute weak sauce. And I also think that uh, his complaining about not getting the football enough when he was on pace last season before. Uh, the injury for a record pace and targets. I, it just, it all doesn't add up for me, but uh, I don't want to spend any more time on Martellus Bennett. Corey, your biggest takeaways, and again, it's Thursday already. I wish I, I would have had you on sooner and it's been a crazy week, but uh, just maybe your one or two biggest takeaways from a, a really tough loss in Indy, I would imagine one that you would think uh, the Bears really think they should have won. I definitely thought they should have won. Uh, Hoyer Hoyer played really well offensively. He threw for almost 400 yards. Didn't turn the ball over. No interceptions. Thought he had a solid performance. I mean, whenever you can have a backup quarterback throw for almost 700 yards in back-to-back weeks, I think that's pretty good with no turnovers. So yeah. I was pleased with that. You know, Jordan Howard did extremely well, over 100 yards. He had, I think, a 7.4 rush average above seven yards per carry, which is incredible. Yep. I think they should have gave him the rock a little bit more. Yep. And then defensively, I really like what I saw from up front, you know, the front four. We're able to get pressure. We're able to disrupt Andrew Luck. And we talked about that matchup, you know, that kind of right side of the line. Mm-hmm. And Willie Young was able to get hay and get three sacks. You know, Jonathan Bullard came in there, got a sack, and then Akeem Hicks split through like three defenders you know, was big, powerful, and, and was able to get that sack and, and get luck down. So I really like what I saw from the defensive line. But, you know, I think in the secondary, they need to sure some things up because you see T.Y. Hilton, you know, had to burn a bunch of times and was able to score. Yeah. 
you know, Vic Fangio said this week, Corey, we're chatting with Corey Wooten, of course, former Bears defensive lineman, also a product of Northwestern. Uh, Corey, Vic admitted uh, Wednesday in his weekly news conference that he should have given Jacoby Glenn more help on that T.Y. Hilton uh, game-winning touchdown. So that was uh, interesting to uh, it wasn't surprising given Jacoby Glenn's lack of experience and everything T.Y. Hilton's already accomplished in this league. But uh, just, I guess, more generally, how tough, and I agree, you know, the five sacks look great, and certainly there was a, a more consistent rush, but uh, there were also a lot of instances of Andrew Luck uh, using his legs to extend plays and just killing that Bears secondary. Um, how hard is it? And, and maybe this is a silly question. I, I, it won't be my first or last, I assure you. But, Corey, how hard is it for a pass rush and a, a coverage unit to sort of align? Because it seemed like that was the issue. You finally saw the pass rush, but there was just guys running free in the secondary. How how does that work, or is that just so much easier said than done? I think the biggest thing is just the rushing cover mentality. Back yeah. when uh, Lovey Smith was the coach of Rob Marinelli, Yep. The biggest thing was we work together. You know, the the secondary allows the rush to get another second. And then when the, when the secondary is struggling a little bit, you're able to get a little more pressure up front. So I just don't think they're working together. Okay. And you kind of see that because the defensive line, for the first game of the season, they had, you know, pretty consistent pressure for the most part. And then, you know, in the secondary, they weren't able to have them hold the ball as long. And then you see, you see sometimes when Andrew Luck was able to scramble, kind of the rush wasn't working together. People weren't on the same page. Guys mm-hmm. taking inside moves when they're not supposed to. So I think that's the biggest thing, you know, just being disciplined. Because you, you look at it and there's nothing crazy that Andrew Luck did when you're talking about the scramble play. It's all about rush discipline and staying in your rush lanes. Okay. Uh, what did you think, uh, Jonathan Bullard, one name you mentioned, and obviously uh, the Bears now 1-4 and four and, and really in dire straits, uh, can't afford another loss for a while here, and uh, we, we, we do have to look ahead to the schedule, and you'll see a pair of uh, primetime games against Green Bay and Minnesota after Jacksonville Sunday. But uh, what do you think about Jonathan Bullard gets the first sack? Vic said this week hopefully they're going to get him more opportunities. Uh, a, what did you see on the sack? And, and then just your thoughts on Jonathan Bullard. I think he had like 20-something snaps. Uh, that was the one play where I really saw him show up. But uh, you're the expert. What did you see from Jonathan Bullard? You know, I thought I saw him use his hands a lot better. You know, that's the biggest thing when you see rookies. You know, what I talked about earlier in in the uh, prior podcast about Eddie Goldman, you know, kind of just his transition from his rookie year to his second year, using his hands a lot better. And you already see Jonathan Bullard using his hands better from week one already now. You know, he's able to have a nice move on that sack to be able to get in there. But I still like him to get more plays. I feel like 20 plays to the defensive lineman, I don't feel like that's enough. You know, I feel like they need to get the rotation going a little more, you know, get him and, you know, Cornelius Washington in there, you know, get these guys fresh. And that's the biggest thing that's going to make a difference in the pass game. You see a lot of times these guys stay in all time because they want to get the sacks. But the thing about it is you can't get these sacks unless you're fresh. You're able to get off the ball. And if you're tired, you're not going to be able to get off the ball. So I just want to see that rotation a little bit more. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and um, you know maybe as they get a little bit healthier, we will start to see that. But uh, I couldn't agree more, Corey. Getting the kind of the rotation in and having a chance to bring pressure and waves with guys uh, who aren't gassed uh, would seem to be effective. Uh, just going back to Jordan Howard real quick, and I may have asked you this on the podcast before, but uh, just 
his running style, what what goes through your head as a former defensive lineman when you see the way that dude is always falling forward and, and just an absolute finisher? Uh, what does that do to the mentality of a defender and I guess a defensive lineman specifically, the first guy at the point of the attack oftentimes? It's extremely tough when you got a guy that's not afraid to run your face over. You know? <laughs> yeah. It seems like he's not scared of <laughs> Honestly, he's not scared of contact at all against D-linemen, linebackers. And that's what you like to see from a young running back, a guy that's competitive, that's going to run you over, and it takes pride in that. You know, mm-hmm. and as a, as a defender, you know, going against guys like Marshawn Lynch, guys like that, when you, you know, you try to stick your arm out, you know, and reach for arm tackle, you know, you might, you might pop a peck or, you know, dislocate your shoulder trying to tackle those type of guys. So I, mm-hmm. I really like what I, what I saw from him. You just see him improve, and I feel like, you know, if they would have just got him going from the beginning, you know, who, who knows, you know, how it would have took pressure off Cutler in the beginning or whatnot, because you seem like Brian Hoyer is able to mix and match a little bit better, you know, now, now in the play calling. Yeah, and uh, just sticking with, I couldn't agree more. I mean, to get almost seven yards per carry and then only get 16 carries, I think is, uh, frankly, it's an indictment on Dowell Loggins. They just need to do better. But a lot of talk this week, uh, not only about further incorporating Jordan Howard, but also Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Brian Hoyer doesn't see him streaking down the left sideline for a potential game-winning touchdown. Uh, And beyond that, I think Alshon only had six targets. So where are you at on the fine balance between force-feeding your best player and throwing to who's open. Dowell said today that the defensive coverage is going to dictate where the ball goes. Just kind of your thoughts on on all of that and, and Alshon being kind of quiet for, for your franchise wide receiver. I think it just depends on the receiver. Like, for years we played against Megatron. It didn't matter if he had three defenders on him. Yeah. <laughs> you throw it up to him, he didn't get it. You know, so I think it just depends. I think Alshon is a guy – you know, that, that could go up maybe with two defenders on him and get it. But I don't think you want to force feed it. I think Horry's been doing a good job of finding the open man, eliminating the turnovers, and keeping him in the ball game. Every the, the past two games, they're in the ball game in the fourth quarter. You know, they, they had a win the week before, and this week they should, they should have had a win. I feel like they played well enough to get the W. So I think the biggest thing is you don't want to force it. You, you never want to force it. Because that, that's what happened, I, I think, a little bit when – Brandon Marshall was in Chicago with Jay Cutler. I think he tried to force it a little bit too much to him. And you see sometimes he'd make some turnovers trying to get it to Brandon. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I you know, I, I don't I don't disagree, but I just uh I mean, what'd you think of the last play? Obviously hindsight is always twenty twenty and and I know you're not a quarterback and nor am I. Um, but do do you feel like and is it just the specific play caller? Is Alshon always supposed to be the first read? I mean, I know you saw what I did, him running past Vontae. Um, I, I don't know. It just seems like it's such a fine line. I don't want to say Brian Hoyer's been timid, uh, but are you sensing maybe sometimes he's kind of play, you know playing as if he doesn't want to make mistakes? Does that make sense? That could be. You know, I think right now he's auditioning. You know, for for a job for next year. You know. It's, possibly a quality backup, you know, yeah, like, uh, yeah. you know, Chase Chase Daniels got in Philly. He got paid extremely last. So I think he's auditioning for, you know, one of those guys that they trust if they draft a guy next year or whatever they do with Jay Cutler, right. then they'll have him to fill in. So I think he doesn't want to make mistakes, but at the same time, when the game's on the line and you have one-on-one coverage and you have a 6-3, 6-4 receiver, you got to throw it up to him. You know, he, he's your playmaker. He's your franchise tag guy. He's the franchise of your team right now. 
So I think you got to you got to throw it up to him, you know, and you got to hope for the best. And I think he's a guy that can come down with the ball in that situation. But did you see at the end was was he completely open the whole time? Because I didn't know if because on the TV copy they just showed you know Alshon looking like he's open, but I couldn't tell if the ball had been thrown already or you know whatnot. I don't know if you got a better view from from at the game or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. It just didn't seem to me like Hoyer ever looked his direction. Um, I think even, like you said, once you see the one-on-one coverage and it's your big body guy, the, the guy who wins 50-50 balls, uh, maybe that's the, the, the direction you need to be looking. But uh, I don't know exactly on the timing. I need to go back and study the All-22 a little bit more. So, uh, you know, we don't want to get bogged down on that anyway. Uh, Corey, let's spend a few minutes looking ahead to the Jaguars. I don't know uh, if you've done any kind of scouting and what you think of Jacksonville, but... Um, what do you think is, is the next step for the Bears? I mean, it's pretty simplistic to say. Obviously, they need to get six instead of three when they get down to the red zone or near that area. But uh, what are kind of your one or two biggest keys to to getting back in the win column? And what we've already mentioned is, uh, I think, is absolutely a must win if the Bears want to still kind of keep this season alive for anything other than just a, a rebuilding and, and looking toward the future kind of campaign. Offensively, it starts with the run game, and I think they need to rely on Jordan Howard. Yeah. Give him the ball, give him the rock, let him get going. You know, you know he's going to get at least three to four yards. Then you set yourself up on second down for a favorable situation. Give right. it to him again. He gets another three yards. Then you're in third and short. You're in favorable situation. So then they need to get him the ball. You know, continue continue with that conservative pass game, but then take a shot. Take a shot on second down. Deep, mm-hmm. deep to Alshon Jeffrey. They need to do that a little bit more. So that way you get that playmaker in him down the field for those deep throws, not these dinking dunks every second of, of the game. And then defensively, I think the biggest thing is getting pressure. You know, they, they, they did pretty well, you know, last week, but I think it's just more consistent pressure. And I think it's the Russian cover mentality that I talked about earlier. You yeah. know, if they can be able to stop that run like they did last week, you can get, put yourself in situations to get five, six sacks, you know, something they haven't done all year. So I think that's the biggest thing. A young guy like Blake Cordell, so still figuring it out. You know, he's still figuring out the pass game. They have some talented receivers and, and Hearns and Robinson. So I think the, the DBs are going to have their hands full. Yeah, I love what you said about the offense, especially if you've got a guy who's who's getting six, seven yards on first down. The beauty of second and, and three, second and two, is you can take those shots, and then you're not, uh, you know, you're not up, uh, you know, you know what creek if you don't uh, capitalize, you still have a manageable third down. So I really like that. Um, uh, Corey, what what do you know about this Jaguars defense? Um, it's it's a, a headlining unit in terms of all the resources they've poured into it. Everyone was talking about Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack coming out of the draft. Actually, the third rounder from Maryland has been their best pass rusher, uh, and then they went out and just spent that stupid money on Malik. I don't say it's stupid, but uh, just as a figure of speech on Malik Jackson, do, do you have any familiarity with him and some of these other guys and uh, what this Bears offense will be up against? You know, I think the their defensive line is really impressive. You know, they have Dante Fuller back from injury. Yep. They have Jared Odrick, Malik Jackson, who you talked about, you know, and then they have the rookie pass rusher from Maryland you're talking about. This made some great moves, been able to get, I think, three or four sacks in the first few weeks. So they're, they're a group up front that can get pressure. You know, and I think this is going to be a tough matchup for the Bears because right across the front from both defensive ends to defensive tackles are guys that can – win rushes and you know can get multiple sacks in a game so this, this is a game i think 
like we said, get the run game going. Get the run game going. Get them to these third and short situations so you can get those quick step passes so then the rush is not into it. Then they get frustrated, right? So then when you get in longer situations, you know, they're so frustrated and tired from playing the run that they're not able to rush as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, spending just a couple more minutes here with Corey Wooten and uh, just relative to the Jaguars and what they're going to try and do offensively and how the Bears can stop them. Uh, it's not a pretty sight, the Bears injury report this week. Uh, Bryce Callahan is hurt. DeAndre Hall is hurt. Tracy Porter's hurt, although I think he's going to be okay. Um, I just I worry about Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns on the perimeter. What do you think the Bears can do to stop them? And, and have you seen enough from some of these young DBs, whether it's Jacoby Glenn? Yes, he did get burned for the game winner, but Fangio said he had some culpability there too. Um, this Crevon LeBlanc, do you think the Bears will have enough bodies in the defensive secondary uh, to potentially stop these big-bodied weapons on the outside for Jacksonville? It's going to be tough. They're a talented group of guys. Um, I think it's definitely going to be a tough challenge for these young cornerbacks, but I think Vic Fangio has to come up with a good blitz package. I, I, you know, the four, the four men rush out the window. I think you need to get blitzing. I think you need to get guys in Blake Bortles' face because you've seen in the past when people have pressured him, he's kind of made errant throws, mistakes. Right. Things come, interceptions. So I think the biggest thing is that, that blitz package. That's what I want to see. I want to see him disguising it. I want to see him bringing guys from the safety, bringing guys from linebacker, Mike, outside linebacker. You know, have have him thinking, have him Blake Bortles, disguising coverages. That's right. the biggest thing is the disguise and the blitz. That's what I want to see in this game. Corey, did you see uh, – it, it seemed to me in the second half, and again, this is kind of me, I'm a novice, I don't really know, but uh, I, I thought I saw some some pressures that Fangio was concocting in the second half that got home on a few occasions. I, I know Jarrell Freeman came and got a big hit on the quarterback, and I think there was another six-man pressure in the second half. Did you see a little bit more expansion of what he's trying to do to uh, to rattle quarterbacks last week, or was I was I imagining that? No, I, he definitely did. You, you see it. But I remember when he was in San Francisco and, you know, playing against him and just seeing how their defense operated when you're on the bench. He just, he just thought, whoa, this is a defense that can play. And they, you never know where it's coming. Where is it coming up the middle? Is it coming from the safety? Is it coming from the outside backer? Is there right. a stunt? Is there a game? There was guys like, you know, there was big time Pro Bowl guys like Alden Smith, Justin Smith. Uh, you know, guys like that, Ahmad Brooks on the other side. So they had some really good players up front. They had that great linebacking core. So I just think, you know, you kind of don't see the same type of talent that they had, you know, when he's in San Francisco. So it's a little tough to do, you know, right. with the personnel now. But I think there's there's certain things that you can do the same way. You know, there's certain things that you can do to disguise and, you know, and, and show some different things that can, you know, really confuse the quarterback. Right, and then just lastly, and I'll get a pick from you here in a minute, um, it, it does seem to be kind of the age-old question, though. Do you try and play coverage and uh, uh, and have extra resources in the secondary, or do you kind of send the hounds like you're suggesting is the best approach this week, even though the Bears could be shorthanded in the secondary? Um, what From your playing days, what did you use to 
what was your reaction when your defensive coordinator, you knew during the week it was going to be one of those hyper-aggressive game plans where uh, you were going to have a lot of help as a defensive lineman generating pressure versus games where uh, you feel like you guys are going to play more coverage? Did you have a preference? I know it's a case-by-case basis, but uh, what do you recall from kind of the way you know the varying game plans were devised during your playing career? I would say I, I like personally the, the four man rushes better just because right. you didn't have to do as many stunts and, you know, different things inside, you know, coming from a defensive end all the way to the center, you know, it's usually where you get the double teams and all these different blocks. So I like the four man rush personally, but, you know, I think with a three, four scheme, those pressures really confuse the heck out of offensive linemen. You know, and you talk to mostly any offensive lineman, they say, man, I hate going against the three, four. You know, when they have two great outside pass rushers, yeah. they got two guys inside that are really powerful, and then they got some linebackers that can come up in the A-gap and, and, you know, knock the heck out of your running back, you know, and put them right into the quarterback's lap. So I think the 3-4, you know, with the, the bare scheme, I think that's something that can really make hay in there. And I think, you know, if he dials up those blitzes like he did in the second half and he just has those guys playing hungry, and the biggest key is keeping them fresh. So when they get in those rushing situations towards the end of the game, they can really get off the ball and beat the offensive lineman to the punch. Right, right. Okay, good stuff. And uh, the Bears are hoping, uh, it sounds like they're going to get Leonard Floyd back into the mix, obviously, uh, a guy who can bring some pass rush juice, or at least that's what he's supposed to contribute. So uh, we'll see if that will help maybe in that rotation and keeping guys fresher, as Corey alluded to. Uh, on the way out, Corey, I kept you longer than I than I said I would, so I appreciate your time, as always. Um, what do you think Sunday? Do you have a pick? Are you at that point of the week where you're ready to make a prediction? And uh, what do you think happens at Soldier Field? I'm going to say the Bears come out with the W. I'm going to say 21-14. to 14. Okay. Tight game. Good defensive yep. game on both sides of the ball. But I'm going to say, I'm going to say Jordan Howard goes for 150-plus. Brian Hoyer, another 300-yard passing game. Wow, all right. This is a best-case scenario for sure. Uh, as Corey sees it, the Bears do get their second win Sunday at Soldier Field. We shall see. I will make my prediction on the Friday podcast, but that is going to do it for the Thursday edition of the Locked On Bears podcast. Corey, so good to have you back. I'll let you get back to the painting, and we will look forward to uh, to chatting again next week. Uh, hopefully your prediction will be right. We'll be talking about a Bears win. That's what I'm hoping. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it's my pleasure. That is Corey Wooten, as always, bringing you the goods on the Bears. And Napa know how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 103117.